0: Fire up for pro football. That's what we call a sack lunch. This is Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad. Wouldn't kill you. We play some competitive sports. Once in a while,
3: wouldn't Would that make you love me?
0: Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan.
3: Hour number two of Football Sunday as... Rashad is either bird watching or watching people on the running path. I think binoculars
4: station. are so creepy. I don't know why, but I feel like if you have binoculars, then
3: I mean, they serve their purpose.
4: I guess. Like, who does somebody birdwatch here?
3: Uh, maybe, maybe. I mean, we got some solid trees. It's ne- next to a water source. I mean, maybe there's uh, some birdwatching going in in the studio.
4: Swag strikes me as a
3: birdwatcher. Yeah, I want not be surprised.
4: You know, what it, I don't think anybody would be shocked if, like, if they saw a Spag out there, like, looking for some type of unique, uh, rare, and exotic bird. Just, you know, I'm sure he's got an outfit for that and everything.
3: A good set of binoculars goes a long way, though. I just feel like if you own binoculars,
4: you shouldn't be within like 100 feet of a school <laughs> or something. I don't know. I could not be
3: with wrong. the binoculars. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, definitely keep those At two all. separate. Yeah. Um what I'm looking at, Rashad, though, is this top 25 after yesterday. Yeah. That that was a – I mean, you had six top 25 teams lose. I saw a graphic on the screen during the Oregon game that it was the most losses for top 25 teams in the first four weeks of the season since 19-whatever, 1930-something, I want to say, 1936 that it's been this many top 25 teams that have lost in the first four weeks of the season, really, we're going to get some chaos. We might get some teams in this college football playoff this year that we haven't seen in there before. I mean, right now it's looking like Oregon or excuse me, Alabama and Georgia, obviously number one and two, they are the cream of the crop. And it looks like we might be seeing both of them in the playoff, if not, them too. Then maybe Alabama and Florida.
4: I don't know if there was ever a doubt,
3: um, but outside of, of course, the sec, the, the rest of the college football world is kind of scratching their heads and wondering, what are we going to see at the end of the year? Cause I mean, we had Clemson who's been a powerhouse over the last half decade. Now they've got their second laws. The ACC right now as a conference is looking just about done. I'm pretty sure their only undefeated team that they have left is Wake Forest. Maybe NC State. I don't don't know what their record was going into that Clemson game yesterday. I mean, you have the Big Ten is going to just devour itself over these next few weeks. You have five undefeated teams there with Penn State, Iowa. um, You also have Michigan Michigan. undefeated. Maryland is undefeated. And say what you want about Maryland, but... They've won their games, and they got a big game against Penn State. I mean, like, this is going to be a pretty chaotic year. And, again, some of those teams near the top, Oklahoma, Oregon, not not looking too impressive and like a top-five team over these last few weeks.
4: There was a lot of ugly games yesterday. You know, just if you look all down the board, you know, there was a bunch of just kind of slugfest there. And if you're a top-25 team, you don't want a lot of slugfests because you can lose – one of those the Michigan State Nebraska game, you know, could have went either way and uh, Michigan State end up winning the Rutgers uh, Michigan game again. That's that's a that's a seven point ball game. So there is not a lot of blowout. So I guess it gives you a little like, okay, you know, if you're Oregon you can feel a little bit better about your win because you look down the board. The, rest of the everybody top else looks kind of garbage. <laughs> everybody else just kind of escaping. You at least won pretty convincingly, you know, but everybody else during week three, week four, just kind of barely escaped. And some of them didn't escape at all. You know, so you feel a little bit better about your situation as you look at the rest of the country. But yeah, it was just a, this, this happens every year in college football, maybe not six teams, but every year there's three big teams that nobody saw going down going down that changes the landscape of the top 25 moving forward as far as the top two man alabama and georgia just look so much better than everybody else (laughs) now mind you when you're playing southern miss if you're alabama then i fully expect you to win by you know 49 points that's that's a given i expect that georgia and vanderbilt van is vanderbilt a
3: they Are uh, Are they an Ivy League school? <laughs> they play like it. No, they are an SEC school. No,
4: I'm, I'm like, but shouldn't they be considered like <laughs> Ivy League? That's like a really smart school. I feel like it doesn't.
3: I think it is one of the best academic programs in the SEC, and um, they definitely show that they don't care about their football basically year in and year Not out. Not
4: at all. Not at all. So, again, when you're Georgia and Alabama, you do what you're supposed to do, and that's beat up on teams that are lesser than that's just kind of what it is, and that's exactly what they did yesterday. And of really, of the top four teams, they those teams were the worst ones that, you know, played against a ranked team. So, I mean, I thought it was a, a, a really weird week with six ranked teams going down, but that can only mean good things for teams like Oregon State, who now find themselves at 3-1 and one and looking on the outside, looking in, top 25. You Brandon know.
3: Sprague going on the hot take and saying that they should be ranked going into this week. I I. It's hard to argue. I'm not going you know, to go that far, but they're going to get some votes. No, it's it's hard to argue with that. And
4: I'm not saying they should be a top 20 team, but for them to be at the end of the top 25, a 23, 24, 25 team, that doesn't – that makes sense to me. And I could definitely see that happening. So, uh, yeah, it's been a wonky week weekend in uh, college football, but that's kind of what you love about college. Like, in NFL – it's the any given Sunday cliche, but for the most part, we know who's going to win a lot of games in the NFL. Like we can look at them and it was like, man, they they should win that pretty convincingly. College, you just you don't know a lot of time, and so this was one of those great examples of why.
3: Well, and this this goes back to uh, Oregon in their performance to start the season again. You know, obviously they have the big win against Ohio State, but every other game they've looked. It looked like they've been missing something, some juice, in having that full four-quarter win against a team that they should be just dominating. And, again, you look at Oregon, if you ask everybody out there, do you see them going undefeated through the Pac-12, I bet you the majority of people would give you a reluctant, yeah, yeah, I could see them doing that. Mm-hmm. But you also see them maybe tripping up along the way. I think you know it's coming. Yeah, this team, while they are the number three team in the country, yes, they got the big win, Ohio State. They're showing what they can do. They haven't left you with a lot of confidence that they're going to just run the table in the Pac-12. If you look at Oklahoma and the way that they've started their season, number four team in the country, can't say the same about them. Iowa yesterday against Colorado State, they were losing that game in the third quarter at one point. They were down to FCS Colorado State. And they ended up pulling that out. Penn State, they got a big win against Villanova, but it took them a little bit to get going against them as well. And Iowa and Penn State, I'm pretty sure um, not next week, but play each other in two weeks. And then number seven, Texas A&M, they lose to Arkansas, who's having an amazing year. Number nine, Clemson, they lose to NC State, and we're going to get a college football playoff without Clemson this year. How um, many
4: games did Clemson lose when Trevor Lawrence was there? Two?
3: I mean, regular One? season yeah. games, zero. Yeah. So it's crazy that
4: they've already lost two uh, in just this these four games. You know, two more games than they lost in all of four years of Trevor Lawrence.
3: I mean, Ohio State, you're going to see them jump up two spots back, and that helps Oregon for sure because they – I mean, Ohio State got a big win, but they're going to jump Clemson and Texas A&M. They're probably going to find themselves at number eight. Um, again, Florida, they're number 11. They ended up beating Tennessee – that's SEC right there. They're they're going to move up. Notre Dame's going to move up. Iowa State, they fall, though. I mean, Iowa State, from the beginning of the season, being a top-10 team to probably going to be falling out of the top 25 here pretty quickly, um, big surprise there. I mean, we're, we're going to have some teams towards the top that we haven't seen in this position over the last few years, and it's somewhat of a, a changing of guard except the SEC for the first time in a while.
4: And we're going to find out if people are true to their word because what we hear all the time is, I'm tired of seeing the same teams in there. I'm tired of seeing Alabama and Clemson. I'm tired of – well, now you're probably going to get an opportunity to see at least two additional teams that you're not used to seeing. And I guess, is Oregon one of those teams? I don't I don't know. We're, we're, we're kind of used to seeing Oregon at play in a, in a playoff or a championship. They're in the conversation. They haven't been in a while, but I don't think Oregon is not familiar with being in this scenario.
3: But also – All things considered, if Oregon is to stub their toe along the way and fall to a Pac-12 team but is able to rebound and find themselves in the Pac-12 championship game winning that and you have a one-loss Oregon team with wins over Ohio State, hopefully a ranked Fresno State towards the end of the year, and hopefully a win against ranked UCLA or something along the way, maybe even a ranked Beavers squad at the end of the season. I was going
4: to say, that'd be the game, you know,
3: I, at that point, what in the interception? Oh, my gosh. Red zone's on. Sorry. Is that Jalen Ramsey? Um, no. But you're going to see the Ducks maybe with one loss Pac-12 championship being able to get into the playoff. I forget who was on the call last night for the Duck game, but he said that this could be the year where that might be enough because, again, the ACC – I don't know if they're going to be able to get someone no. in this year.
4: Now the Clemson's out.
3: <laughs> I mean, it, it
4: might be a wrap for them.
3: Again, you've got Wake Forest is the only undefeated team. NC State is three and one. Boston College is four and zero. Oh. Like, I I don't see an ACC team being able to pull it together to a climb the rankings and get a playoff spot. So you're looking at two SEC teams probably, and then that leaves two spots open for either. You're, bi- you're probably your big Ten champion because they look like they're one of the top conferences right now too and then that leaves your spot open for either your big 12 champ which is you know maybe Oklahoma if they're able to you know maintain the rest of the season Oklahoma and Oregon are looking somewhat similar in the way that they've been able to get wins but also not be that impressive doing it
4: no yeah I think it's the name. And if they weren't weren't Oklahoma or Oregon, they would probably be right outside the top seven, you know, at this point. But because you look at a school like Baylor in the Big 12, and Baylor's 4-0 right now. Like how long before people jump on the Baylor bandwagon and say, well, they're 4-0 in Big 12. They need to move up and be within the top 10. And considering they beat 14 Iowa State last night, schools like that are going to start moving up. So there's a lot of the B, BYU is 15th and, and – uh, excuse me, in 4-0, how long before they actually start shooting up. So at this point, winning is important, but style points are going to become even more important as we get closer and closer towards the playoff. How did you win? How many points did you win by? Those things are going to be important.
3: And we got two texts here back-to-back. Back. No Pac-12 team has ever gone 9-0 and in conference play. So if Oregon were to pull that off, they, were, they would be the first team ever to do that. And then this next one is with a question mark, but no two-loss team has ever made the playoff? I don't think so. I don't remember ever seeing a two-loss team make the playoff. And if it was, maybe it was four-seed Alabama that got in. But I don't remember Alabama even losing two games. Yeah, (laughs) I can't remember when Alabama's lost
4: two games in a season.
3: So, again, this is going to be very interesting to see how this particular season plays out with – the, some of the traditional blue, blo- blue bloods being in there um, that have already taken an early loss or one too many losses and not going to be eligible to get there at all. So uh, going from the top 25 in college football as a whole, let's take a look at, at the Pac-12 and how things fared for them yesterday because you had conference play for a lot of the teams out there. And uh, let's take a look at the scoreboard when we come back here on sports. Football Sunday with Rashad and Joe on 1080 The Fan.
0: How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan.
3: All right, we're going to get in some Pac-12 football here. Take a look at all the games from yesterday as the Pac-12 season conference play began. And boy, am I happy James Conner just didn't score on that goal. Oh, I you'd touched. have been so pissed.
4: <laughs> oh, you'd have been so pissed. That's the... that's. That's the the heartbreaking part of fantasy. I get Jeez. there's a there's a split second where I forget that I'm not starting them. I'm like, "Yes, no." Like right now, like, "Damn it, the Patriots got scored on." Shocked.
3: Shocked. Well, again, somehow they gave 4 points to the Patriots right there. There they go. There. Oh, no. They gave they took away two, but then they're going to take away another two and give six to New Orleans Saints. Rough start for the scoreboard operator in the Saints Cheaters. Patriots game. <laughs> Cheaters. All right, uh, going to the Pac-12. As we mentioned at the first part of the show, Oregon gets the rather un... I don't want to... A win is a win. I don't want to take it away from them, but it was a very mixed bag, unimpressive win for the number three team in the country. I think that's fair to say. against literally one of the worst teams the Pac-12 has seen in quite some time.
4: uh, Eric, well, I don't know, man. We forget about how bad some of those Cal teams were, even some of those Beaver teams. UW for a few years washington state you know there's some there's some pretty bad you know oh and four teams
3: arizona state i'm trying to think how many games they've lost in a row now because they went oh four last season oh and six and then i'm pretty sure they finished off that uh year with kevin sumlin the year before with like five or six straight losses so i yeah. mean you're talking 14 15 straight losses for arizona
4: yeah that's that's pretty bad you know again
3: it was Great job by the secondary. They kept everything in front of them, and I feel like Oregon's done a good job of that so far this season is not giving up the big play, those 30, 40, 50-yard deep passes downfield, and they they were able to do that against Arizona. Any pass that went downfield, it seems like it was getting intercepted. So Oregon gets the win against Arizona. Again, the biggest win in the conference, I would say, yesterday goes to Oregon State beating USC as far as confidence boosts and biggest surprise again a lot of people in this state obviously felt that oregon state could get the win uh but again that talent gap usc the talent that they have down there i would have thought that they were able to put it together uh, for the second straight week but as you can see they are reeling from that clay Hilton firing and trying to figure out what the hell to do
4: and it lets you know how really how important coaching is there are some people that will tell you it's the it's the athletes the players that make the team And, and a lot of ways that's that's absolutely true. You need somebody to go out there and help carry out your vision. But if you're not able to put all the right pieces in place, then you're not much of a of a coach. Like, there's a difference between being a an X's and O's. There's a reason that a guy like in the NBA, Mark Jackson, still doesn't have a job. It's not because he's not a good motivator of, P, of men, you know, and they probably love Clay Helton for that. But being able to put it together and say, okay, this is what we're going to do because this isn't working, to be able to change and adjust – Almost kind of what Mike McCarthy gets ripped for all the time is being not being able to adjust and, ch- and change the game plan. And, you know, Jason, Jason Garrett, kind of the same thing. So that shows you how important great coaching is. Right now, USC is still going to be a great job for somebody is going to swoop in and take that. But uh, it's going to be some struggles for now, and Oregon State just happened to catch them on a good one.
3: Uh, next biggest win for the conference, I would say, would be UCLA beating Stanford. 35-24. If Stanford would have beat UCLA, that would have been a... Uh, not a bad look, but you would possibly be going into week five with only one ranked team in the Pac-12.
4: You'd have laughed Chip Kelly out of the, the, the Rose Bowl. Yeah. You, it, know?
3: It, you could maybe make the case for Arizona State maybe being ranked this week, but a win over Colorado is not going to, that alone isn't going to do it for you. It's the fact that you also had North Carolina lose and you had Kansas State lose. That might help them out, get into that 25-24 spot for Arizona State. But if UCLA loses to Stanford, then you might be looking at just Oregon in the ranking. So I felt like UCLA, at least for the conference perception, getting the win, that does help and reinforce that this is a good UCLA team. And someone to be reckoned with UCLA, the rest of the season.
4: UCLA fell down to a, a pretty good Fresno State team, a team in Fresno State that because they're not a you know a traditional blue blood, we don't look at them as someone a, a team that can be competitive. And Fresno State has shown so far this season that they're they're pretty good, um, and they lost to them by three points. So they win that game. UCLA is possibly within the top fifteen uh, of of these rankings, but because they lost, they're there. But they beat Stanford at Stanford, now they can go against a, a an okay Arizona State team. If they can win these this game, then Stanford, excuse me, UCLA is right back in there in the mix for the top 15.
3: Well, and Stanford definitely made it tough for UCLA. I mean, we were tied in the fourth quarter, 21 apiece, uh, and then UCLA was able to pull away. So that, I mean, Oregon's going to have to <laughs> – I feel like Stanford's always been somewhat of a kryptonite to Oregon, especially when they're Absolutely. on these top 10 runs – when they're a, a, one of the top teams in the nation they run into a tough Stanford team and then before you know it all is lost. Oregon gets that first loss and they just they're really wondering what the hell happened.
4: Remember the fumble a few years ago by uh god
3: oh who was I, it? I thought I forgot about it. Sorry and... about that. But in the Stanford game and I think it
4: was the if if Oregon wins that game that would have set them up to be able to continue to make their run towards the playoff and there's a, the big interception at the end. But before that, was it C.J. Verdell that, that, that fumbled when he should have stepped out, but instead he decided to, you know, put his shoulder down and take a hit, but instead a freshman at that point and fumbled. But, yeah, Stanford is kind of a thorn in the side of of, of Oregon, and they kind of always has been, even going way, way back to Andrew Luck. Like, Stanford, is, they're usually big. They can push you around the front uh, your front lines, but luckily Oregon has – they've gotten bigger. You know, that fast – um, kind of those those linemen that can run, you know, four or five 40s and stuff like that, like they're going for boys with some bulk up front. You know, that that spread offense type of offensive linemen, those don't really work as well, you know, for what Oregon does now. They've are they're, they're they become a smash-mouth football team. And because they now are a smash-mouth football team, I think they're going to be able to compete with Stanford a little bit more than historically they've been able to.
3: And then you had uh, two more games. You had Washington- beating Cal 31 to 24. Uh, I, I don't know if this says good things about Cal or bad things about Washington because Cal this year has really not looked very impressive. Mm-hmm. They, they blew two leads to start the season to go 0-2. They barely beat Sacramento State or whoever the hell they played last week to get their first win. And so for Washington basically to go down to the wire with them and get the win late in overtime, Uh, again, I don't know if it says good job by Cal to keep it there and keep it close and fight to the end and almost get the win. Again, a loss is still a loss, but be able to be competitive against Washington or if this is just, again, Washington playing down to their opponent and really not being impressive. And as an Oregon State fan going into this game, you got to feel pretty good going up against Washington the way that you just played against USC. Oregon State has all the confidence in the world, and Washington right now is looking like a team still trying to figure themselves out. All they have to their name right now is a blowout win against Arkansas State. Other than that, they, they lost against Michigan. They lost against Montana and barely escaped Cal. So going into next week, Oregon State's got to be feeling good against Washington.
4: Oregon State is floating on cloud nine right now. They just went in there for the first time. I didn't know. The first time since 1960, they went into the uh, to the Coliseum and won a game. Yeah. Now you get a chance to host Washington at home. And, yeah, you're feeling great. You don't have to travel. People can Now people are actually going to be coming to Reeser. Reeser Stadium probably should be close to sold out. Next Saturday.
3: Six o'clock kickoff, so not too late by any means. It, it,
4: and so considering how well they're playing, I mean, I don't know what other game is, is late night, but there is a chance they could be flexed to an ESPN the O show or something like that. Like somebody could really want to watch Oregon State versus Washington. But, yes, Washington should be incredibly concerned because, like you said, they don't look great. No. They, they beat the Derek Zoolander Center uh, for Kids Who Can't Read Good <laughs> and want to learn how to do other stuff good too. But that's it. And there's been no impress. And if they are indeed pay- playing down to their competition, that's going to be bad for the rest of the Pac-12 because it's not good. The rest of the competition, if we're being honest, outside of a couple teams, isn't isn't great. So there's going to be – they're going to lose a game to, uh, I don't know, Arizona probably. They're probably going <laughs> to lose a game to the Utah. I mean,
3: wouldn't be surprised. If
4: there's any team in the Pac-12 right now, that's supposed to be doing good, but you could see them losing to a team like Arizona. It would be probably be Washington. They're supposed to be better than they are. They play down to their competition, and I could see Arizona going there having a great game and disappointing Washington.
3: And then our other game from this week was probably the lowest implication. Nobody really cared that much. Utah playing Washington State. Utah beat Washington State, and just like Arizona, Washington State looking like uh at least State. The, yeah, they're they're like the Cougs. Yeah, that's that's for sure. Um, that that's going to be a mess for the rest of the season for Washington State. But Utah getting a much needed win, and that is your Pac-12 slate. We can either look at next week's slate, Rashad, or we can just take a look at these early games here in the NFL as the ten o'clock slate has gotten started. Let's
4: talk some NFL, man. That'd be fun.
3: Let's do it. We haven't done too much of just NFL team player talking besides fantasy. Uh, But we'll take a look at the NFL scoreboard, see what these 10 o'clock games are looking like, preview some of the later ones, and, uh, yeah, go heavy NFL for the rest of the show. Right here on Football Sunday on Ten Eighty the Fan. But first, I got a sports update for you.
0: Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan.
3: Football Sunday with Rashad and Joe. Mike
4: out boar hunting again. We got to get radio guy, radio voice guy to give a uh, Joe and Rashad. We got to get him, give us one of those.
3: we we'll need to get Mike fired somehow. I don't want to do that. Plant Play. some sort of like white powder and at his desk or something like that.
4: I think it's a good idea.
3: Wally oh. pip him.
4: I think it's a good idea. I think you should try it.
3: Uh, all right. little guy. Let's take a look at the... let <laughs> throw that out there. I know guy. All we need is some powdered sugar. That's it. That was an April Fool's joke I pulled on my dad one time that uh, he came home from work, and I was upstairs in my room, and my stepmom was downstairs with a bag of, like, white powder. I was like, I found this in Joe's room.
4: <laughs> How did your dad react
3: <laughs> uh well my dad is a pretty big uh, burly dude that like just growing up I never wanted to m- see him get angry because he's
4: just you he's, wouldn't like him when he's angry yeah
3: basically he he hulks out like he he's a scary dude when he's angry so I just try to avoid those scenarios at any cost and so I let him do that for about a minute get angry before letting him know like okay, hey, this is April Fool's joke, because even in a joking manner, I don't want to see him like that. Um, yeah, I, I definitely like to pull the April Fool's jokes on my dad. I
4: mean, I used to call him I and did
3: some ones that I probably can't say on air.
4: <laughs> really? I i mean, the, I don't know why. I was stupid. I was just – I'm prefacing <laughs> my comments by saying that I was hella dumb before I did this, but uh, I called my mom. I'm 19 in college. So I call her and you know I'm real somber and everything, and I'll let her know that you know, you know, got a young lady pregnant.
7: And oh, <laughs> I
4: don't know. I, again, I thought it'd be funny, and for a second it was, but then now thinking back, I'm like, I would kill my son <laughs> if he if he did that.
3: I'd be heated if I got that April Fool's.
4: Yeah, guy. it was. It wasn't. It wasn't as. Yeah, it wasn't as funny. I actually, I quit a job. <laughs> so most recently, I took a new job, and. uh, so I sent in my letter of rec- resignation on April 1st and I sent it at like eight o'clock in the morning and I got a call back at like eight oh three that was like, is this real? Because, you know, I'm like, well, oh God. why would I send in a fake letter of, res- <laughs> you know, like, what do you mean? And then find out. And then I look at the clock and was like, oh, it, it's April Fool's. She was like, yeah, I thought that you were pulling a prank or something like that. And I was like, oh, that's funny. That would be funny, but no.
3: This, this resume is an absolute joke, Mr. Taylor. Yeah. We will not be considering you. Thank you for your time. Yeah, no. So that
4: was that was that was pretty pretty funny.
3: All right, let's take a look at the NFL scoreboard in this early morning action. Rashad and I both got red zone on the TV, keeping an eye on some of this. Uh Bills right now, they're driving, they're up 7-0 on Washington. So looking to take an early two touchdown lead. Over the Washington football team, the Bills are. Uh, Bears, Browns, right now, second quarter, starting there. Bears up three, nothing. The Bears on the Browns. The Browns wearing their throwback jersey. The Bears with their first-round pick, Justin Fields, out there. I haven't been able to catch much of their game on a uh, red zone, and while doing this show here, and the box score conveniently doesn't want to load up to see how Justin Fields is doing, but they're up three, nothing. And how about this, Dan Campbell, the biting kneecaps. Lions, they're scoreless right now with the Ravens zero zero in the first quarter. Second quarter about to start there. It's got about forty seconds left in the first. Um,
4: Justin Fields one for one for eleven yards.
3: Efficient. That's what that is. I, I love it. That's a hundred. That's a hundred percent passing. One hundred percent completion right there. Super Bowl. All right. Uh, You also got the Titans up seven to nothing on the Colts in the second quarter. Uh, Brian Tannehill was able to throw a touchdown pass and then follow that up with a pretty disgusting interception uh, where he threw it right to a Colts linebacker. Uh, Chargers, they're on the board. They take the early lead against Kansas City. Justin Herbert just hooked up with Keenan Allen for a touchdown. Seven nothing. They uh, score after a Tyreek Hill fumble. So the Chargers right now in Kansas City, remember, they took them to overtime last year and lost on a last-second field goal. They, they've they played Kansas City. I'm pretty sure they beat them Week 17 last year, if I'm remembering correctly, when Kansas City had to sit a bunch of starters. So the Chargers looking to sneak up on Kansas City and give them a second straight loss. The that chart. would that would be pretty damn impressive for Herbert. And hey, Co. the
4: Justin Herbert experiment is working a lot faster than anybody thought. He's the quickest quarterback to five thousand yards in his first seventeen games than any. He's been wait made it to five thousand yards quicker than any quarterback in NFL history through seventeen games you as know, a starter. Like, it, that's pretty impressive.
3: I don't know if it's true or not, Rashad, but I'm going to believe it.
4: I saw it on ESPN, so they they don't lie. You know, like on on Sports Center or something. It, it's pretty impressive, man. Justin Herbert has been everything and more. Because there are a lot of people here in Oregon that were like, he's not going to be that good as a pro. He's going to be just okay as a pro. And I remember I was like, nah, this fool's going to be good. Because if he's able to carry these guys at Oregon who really aren't weren't great receivers, weren't great tight ends, but he was still able to make something happen with them, what's going to happen when he gets a Keenan Allen? Oh, it's one of the best connections in all of football at this point. He's only in year two. How much better can this kid get if he actually gets more and more talent
3: around him? Yep, yep. Just couldn't get past that vaunted Cowboys defense is all We couldn't. That Cowboys defense is it, it looked okay. Leading the league in uh, takeaways.
4: They look good. Is it is it Just fools like, is anything that happens right now fools go I feel like we've seen so many things. Remember last year the Steelers started the season like what, eight in a row, eight and oh, and then like lost six, seven in a row or something yeah. like that after that? Like
3: I, it was double-digit wins they had before they lost a the game. I know that. I don't know if it was 11 or 12-0, but, yeah, they started the season on a tear. Uh, you also have the Cardinals just intercepting the Jaguars. Um, it was not a bad throw by Trevor Lawrence. It was just bobbled and uh, by the tight end, and he couldn't reel it in, and then it went right into Buda Baker's hands. So Cardinals with a 7 nothing lead. And looking to uh take over and make it fourteen nothing. You also have the Bengals right now leading the Steelers seven to zero. That was a upset pick for a lot of people, I feel, going into this week was Joe Burrow and the Bengals going up against the Steelers. And right now, again, seven nothing in the going to the second quarter. And then what else we got here? Two more games. Falcons, Giants, who really cares? Giants are up three nothing in the second quarter. And the Saints taking on we don't your talk about
4: that. <laughs> and moving on
3: taking on your patriots right now up seven to nothing and um
4: alvin Kamara just walked into the end zone like with no one around him nobody touched him or anything just like oh i caught the ball watch me high step like dion into the end zone
3: i mean my my fantasy team appreciates it so i mean i'll, I'll take that he's already got me uh almost 12 points so I would like to see the Saints rush the ball a little bit better. So, if the Patriots defense, you know, could uh, open up some holes for him, uh, again, fantasy team would very much appreciate that. Well,
4: I'll I'll do my best to relay the message.
3: All right, and then uh, the 1 o'clock games, uh, we've got four of them today. Jets, Broncos, Dolphins, Raiders, game of the week, Bucks, Rams, and then right here on 1080, the fan, you'll be able to hear the Seahawks' And the Vikings, which uh, should be an interesting game. Seahawks only a two point favorite there. I'm I'm
4: curious to see the Seahawks are they're confusing to me right now. I don't know what I'm looking at all the
3: way. They're very perplexing. Uh,
4: i I see points where I'm like, okay, Russ is still Russ, but then I'm like, uh, the rest of this team I'm I'm not so sure about. So the Seahawks is a, it's a it's a great conundrum. We'll see.
3: All right, well, we'll talk a little bit more NFL to finish up this football Sunday for you right here with Rashad and Joe on the Odyssey app and 1080 the fan.
7: Tacovis is a terrific boot brand, and they're bringing a fresh perspective to heritage boot making. So they've carried forward all the time-honored traditions and quality you find in a great pair of cowboy boots, but they've innovated on comfort, style, and service.
1: That's code H-E-R-O-10 for 10% off at Hero.co.
4: This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else.
0: Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan.
3: No, Mike, it is Joe and Rashad getting this football Sunday wrapped up here. Taking you right into Seahawks pregame coverage. Followed that will be, of course, kickoff at 125. Um, Yeah, you kind of mentioned it, Rashad. This Seahawks team... Kind of weird after the first two weeks. Week one, impressive win against the Colts. They were able to keep that separation and show that they were the better team throughout the game. And then they basically have one of the biggest, uh, you know, comeback losses. Letdowns.
4: You Call it a letdown. So what it was.
3: I mean, they were up double digits, and then they let Derrick Henry run all over them and take them to overtime, and <clears throat> then they just lost, which was a very i mean it was just it was odd for the seahawks team to see that game operate as it did again to have that lead and then to watch it evaporate and then the come short in overtime and to a titans team who you know got crushed by the cardinals in week one and it was just not very reassuring uh, especially after the week one performance
4: no week one you play a colts team and Make pretty, you know, quick work of them for the most part. It it wasn't a perfect game, but uh, it was the best one you would played thus far. And then last week, you you really let Ryan Tannehill, who's not really known as a quarterback that's going to shred you to pieces, you know, and you let Ryan Tannehill go 27 for 40 for 347 yards. He didn't throw any, he didn't throw any touchdowns, but he didn't need to. Derrick Henry also put in damn near 200 yards and put in three touchdowns. So this defense. We've been talking the whole time about Russell Wilson needing um, offensive line help. Yes, because he's running for his life in most cases. But we need to put more emphasis on the fact that this defense really, really needs help. Jamal Adams can't be everything, you know. And, of course, he got the big money. Bobby Wagner is still Bobby Wagner, and he's still doing crazy things out there. But they need more help. It's, it's just what it is. Like, we're not used, almost kind of like we were talking about the Ducks earlier, we're used to seeing them put up 70. Well, we're used to the Seahawks team shutting people down and only giving uh, offenses about 13, uh, 13 points, 17 points a game somewhere around there. And now to watch them routinely give up 27 to 30 points a game, it's it's it's, it's kind of crazy. So, I'm kind of like we were talking about the Ducks, I don't know what I'm looking at sometimes. Like, am I looking at a really solid Seattle team? And then the next week, they just kind of look flimsy. And you're hoping that because of the shorter preseason and because the season's going to be longer, teams are kind of pacing themselves right now. And so, because they know it's a little bit longer of a season, I think there's still only one bye week. So, yeah, I think teams might be kind of pacing themselves. And that's what I hope. And I'm not a Seahawks fan. and I think everyone knows that. Joe's not a Seahawks fan. We actually kind of probably hate the team a little bit. But... I don't think either of us want to see the Seahawks be terrible.
3: Uh, No, no. I mean, it it helps just in this area. um, It helps to talk
4: about when they're when they're better.
3: Yeah, most definitely. Um, Minnesota, by the way, on a seven game losing streak to the Seahawks since 2012. Their last win against the Seahawks came in 2009. And the last few times the Vikings have played the Seahawks exceptionally well last year. It was a 27 to 26 win for the Seahawks over the Vikings uh, a couple of years ago. It was, I believe this was the Monday night game. It was either Sunday night or Monday night. The Seahawks and Vikings went back and forth and uh, Seahawks were able to win 37 to 30 2018. The Seahawks won 21 to seven. Um, so, I mean, at least the last two times it's been close affairs with Kirk Cousins and this Vikings team taking on the Seahawks. What a great touchdown grab. Bills right now just blowing out Washington 20-0. to zero. Um, This I, I expect another close game. The Vikings going into this year, I felt that they would be competitive. I don't know about enough to be a playoff team, but you saw them against the Cardinals last week. They win that game. They win that game if they don't miss a, what, 30-something yard field goal. They took the Cardinals down to the very last second. They were firing all, on all cylinders w- against them. Dalvin Cook is going to be playing for the Vikings. This is going to be a tough game for the Seahawks. And as Jesse mentioned last week, Kirk Cousins, while he's not a great quarterback in reality, he's a great fantasy quarterback, and he puts up numbers right off the off the bat last week against the Cardinals. He hit a long touchdown pass. And this secondary for the Seahawks is leaving a little bit to be desired. And so if the Seahawks aren't careful, they could find themselves losing this game. And then a lot of question marks after this will start coming in because the Vikings, again, they they could be on three to start the season if they lose this one. And then at that point, you're looking at what, what are the Vikings going to do the rest of the year out? So the Seahawks, they it's a, I hate to use the term must win, but they, they got to win this
4: one. And considering their division, yeah, you can't fall behind. Like, the <laughs> one the one part of this division that we all kind of agreed on is Arizona's probably going to finish last, but it won't be by a lot. It's going to be because they're still working some things out. And right now, Kyler Murray is looks like he's evolving into the quarterback that, you know, we thought he was going to be, or at least a lot of the pundits thought he was going to be after um, he won the Heisman. And now it looks like he's starting to fulfill that prophecy. So, The the Seahawks can't wait. They can't wait around. Also, don't forget, never forget, Russell Wilson has been in some trade talks and actually was like, man, get me out of here. So we know that he and his beautiful wife, Sierra, she probably doesn't like it in Seattle like that and probably wants to live somewhere warmer and nicer, warmer and nicer at the same time. So, and he's Russell Wilson. So there's a quarter, there's there's a team that's going to make room for Russ. And look at that dang Justin Herbert, man. (laughs) <laughs> look at that dang justin herbert man america you have a problem you have a problem because justin herbert is here to stay
3: oh man it's it, this is the tough part about doing this show on sundays <clears throat> is while we are talking to the masses over the mic our eyes are fixated on the red zone channel
4: it's like the minute you stop talking <laughs> or you start talking i look up and when you stop talking you know it's like vice versa, every single time.
3: And uh yeah, as Rashad mentioned, the Chargers right now, they're a problem. They're up fourteen nothing on the Chiefs halfway through the second quarter in Kansas City.
4: I love it. I love it. So much for Mahomes being unbeatable. It's not even Mahomes getting scored on right now, but that's gonna be the uh the, the headline is that Justin Herbert beats Patrick Mahomes.
3: But yeah, the Chiefs with uh two early turnovers, uh two fumbles to start the game and that's what's given uh the chargers the possession to or the possessions to go in uh wow interception fumble fumble for the chiefs three turnovers to start this game Mm -hmm. gotta fix it damn gotta fix it chiefs let's see it Reed. all right well thank you rashad this was fun but yes thank you jesse once again for coming on helping us with our fantasy qualms and questions. And thank you all for listening out there. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday, this NFL action for the Beaver fans out there. Enjoy today. Enjoy this week leading up to Washington for the Oregon fans. Enjoy the win, but know that it should be better. And again, everybody enjoy the rest of your Sunday NFL action. And it will be Mike back. It will be the whole game back next week on Football Sunday, and we'll catch you then. Thanks again for tuning in. Have a great Sunday.
0: Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here?
1: Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived.